0: The following message is brought to you by Blue Ridge Christian Church in Mills River, North Carolina. Helping people find their home in God. If you'd like to know more about the church, please visit www.blueridgecc.org. Let's look at the scriptures this morning. We're going to go to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at just a few verses from Matthew 6, and then we're going to jump through Matthew 9. So I'm going to make you like you know flip through pages today. Ah, why? Um, if you don't have a Bible, uh, don't sweat. Uh, you can read the, the words behind us on the screen, or you can just read off the person next to you. If you're single and she's single, be like, Hey, want to share a Bible? It works, guys. I'm telling you. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> You thought it was an accident. <laughs> Nothing was an accident. Okay, um, that's my wife over there, by the way. Not some lady. It's just some lady. The lady. Uh, Matthew six sixteen. as I dig my hole even deeper. Uh, Matthew 6, starting in verse 16. We're just going to read uh, three of these verses. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that when uh, so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting. But only your Father, who is unseen, and your Father who sees what you've done in secret, will reward you. In Matthew nine, verse fourteen. It says, Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples don't fast? Jesus answered, How can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and they will fast. Yes, Andrew. Andrew. It's a sermon on fasting. I know what some of you might be thinking. I rolled out a bit for this. Uh, you know, for those who, you know, even who are new, uh, we get new people come check out every week. Uh, you think, man, I of all the weeks to check out a church, I checked out the, the time when they are talking about fasting. For some of you who've been here with us from the beginning, you're like, it's, I get it, I get it. It's still a challenge to come to church in the mornings because, I mean, you're working five days a week, you get Saturday, and then, now well, Sunday Your buddy's bragging about the brunch they had, and you're like, I'm getting ready for church. I know it's hard. And so when you come, you kind of expect something that you're like, ah, this will be great and helpful, and uh, okay, help me. Fasting. If you want your money back, you can see Jim, he's right there, he'll be happy. No. (laughs) Fasting. You You might want to dismiss it. Please don't. You might think, listen, guy, You don't know what I'm dealing with. Uh, I've got work on Monday, and it's a job that I hate. It's a job I can't get out of. It's a job I feel stuck in, and I'm dreading it. You might be thinking, my kids. I'm watching them head down a destructive path, and nothing I do or say is stopping them. It's tearing me apart. You might look at your marriage and say, what does it become? How did we get here? I feel like it's falling apart. Maybe you're just waiting on test results that could radically reshape your life. I mean, real problems that you're going through or the person you're sitting next to is going through. You're right. So, why are we looking at fasting this morning? You know, over and over throughout the Bible, there are people like you and me. I know there are people we often elevate, like they're these like heroes, these amazing people. If you went to school as a child, you're like, you're like oh, David killed Goliath. You're like, wow, that's amazing, but that's not me. These were human beings. Human beings with families, with problems, with worries, with doubts. People who face suffering and violence, oppression, even confusion, they faced the gravest of situations, and yet what we have in the Bible is we have people who, who approached similar things that we are approaching, and they did it with poise, with confidence, with hope, and with strength. They were able to navigate the storms of life, and how? Because of their vibrant, rich, deep relationship with God. That's why we started 2020 with our series, Draw Near. We looked at how we could draw near to God through reflective and contemplative Bible reading. Through prayer, where we take the position of a learner who can approach God in confidence and with access through Jesus. And so today I want, I want to look at an often dismissed and often overlooked biblical practice of fasting. Because honestly, I can't think of the last sermon I ever heard on fasting. Can you? Maybe you have. Permission to fall asleep. <laughs> Somebody's like, I'll take it. <sighs> fasting. Listen, if we want to get through 2020, if we want to have peace, hope, and strength and that deafness to navigate the challenges and, the, and, the, and the, the boulders that are going to be thrown our way this year, it's going to come from a strength in our relationship with God. So we are looking at biblical practice such as knowing his word, such as connecting with him through prayer, and yes, even fasting, to strengthen that relationship with God. For some of us, maybe even creating that relationship with God or renewing the relationship with God. That has been torn asunder from years past. So fasting. It's going to be real basic this morning. Uh, we're just going to look at the, the who, what, the why, the when, that, that kind of things with fasting today. So really, what is fasting? Well, Let's start with what it's not. It's not starvation. I thought about torturing you by doing a sermon on fasting the week before Thanksgiving. Because <laughs> I'm that kind of pastor. But I thought we would just save it for the new year. It's not starvation. It's not meant to harm your body. Now, this is, uh, in in Christian history, there are trends that kind of swing like a pendulum. And uh, fasting was very, very uh, a part of the early Christian movement. But then kind of in in about the thousands, uh, when the monastic movement, monasteries, monks, all of that kind of came about, what you start to see is people really elevating fasting and causing harm to their body. I mean, there were some cats out there who would like whip themselves and beat themselves and bleed themselves because they thought that would bring them to God. That is not a biblical uh, uh, picture of fasting. It's not meant to destroy your body. No. So if you think it's starvation, if you think it's pain, if you think it's meant to harm your body, no. And also it's not for dieting. Uh, right now it's actually pretty trendy. Uh, there's blogs, there's articles out there about you know, taking a fast for like 8 hours, 12 hours, 2 days. These cleanses where you just, you know, you drink a, a glass of lemon juice for like a month. Well, that's, that's, hey man, talk to your doctor. But that's not what we're talking about this morning. What is biblical fasting? At its very ground root, it's not eating for a fixed period of time as a response to your devotion to God. We see this throughout the Bible where people are like in really like high, mountaintop experience, and they're doing the great, they're doing wonderful, and they're fasting. We see people who are rock bottom, right? They've, they've just wrecked their lives, they've made some terrible choices, and they're fasting. Fasting is an intense expression, c- connecting yourself to God. It was very common for the Israelites of Jesus' day to fast. I mean, once a year they were commanded to on the Day of Atonement. If there was a national emergency, the priest would call on the people to fast and to pray. Here's some examples of people in the Bible who fasted. Moses, the lawgiver. David, the king. Elijah, the prophet. Esther, the queen. David, the seer. Anna, the prophetess. uh, Paul, the apostle. And Jesus Christ, the incarnate son of God. If you choose to fast, you are in good company. Not only them, but even theologians. Theologians. Wesley, Luther, Edwards, Knox, people throughout all of Christianity have fasted, yet today it's dismissed. Uh, Richard Foster, who wrote a book called The Celebration of Discipline, uh, which (laughs) my daughter saw that the other day, I was reading it, and uh, she comes up to me, and she's looking at it. My daughter's the nosiest cat in the world. She leans over me, and she's just staring and breathing on my neck, reading what I'm reading, and she looks at the title, Celebration of Discipline. I don't get it, Dad. And I'm like... (laughs) I can understand. Uh, And Foster, it's a great book. It's a great little read uh, about, he understands that there is a celebration. There is a freedom that comes through discipline. What do I mean by that? This is what I assume Foster means by that. Let's take Todd, for example. Todd was up here. He's our our worship leader on Sunday morning. Does a great job. Encourage him. He is up here. He's able to do amazing things with the guitar. And he actually kind of dumbs it down for us because we wouldn't appreciate the cool stuff he really could do. Uh, But he can do some really cool stuff with the guitar. And now he didn't wake up one day, like in middle school, and think, oh, I'm going to play the guitar today, and just start shredding. It took years and years of practice, of self-denial, of hard work, yes, discipline, to become that good. And so now he can pick up a guitar, and he has the freedom to do amazing things on that guitar. Well, if you put the guitar in my hands, an imbecile, I wouldn't be free. I mean, I could make noise, but that's all I could do. I could do one thing, make noise. But when you're disciplined, you can make music. This is what Foster's talking about in Celebration of Discipline. When you understand, when you... When you devote your life to God through prayer, through Bible reading and fasting it's, it doesn't constrict you it actually frees you he says this about fasting in a kind of a commentary on our culture he says why in churches is the giving of money unquestionably recognized as an element in Christian devotion you know like hey Christians just know that we should be generous with people that's why we don't like people talking about it we know we should be Certainly, we have as much, if not more, evidence from the Bible for fasting as we have for giving. He goes on and says this Perhaps our affluent society, in our affluent society, fasting involves a far larger sacrifice than the giving of money. See what he's saying? He's saying one of the reasons why we probably don't fast is one we don't talk about it. The reason we don't talk about it is because it's harder to do than write a check. Writing a check can be kind of hard sometimes. To go without, to deprive yourself of something that you want, yes, even something that you need. Why would you do it? Now let's be clear, the Bible never commands Christians to fast. If right now you're sweating bullets because you're like, oh man, this is the first time I've really thought about it, I've never done it, oh God, don't come back right now. Listen, it's not commanded, yet it was expected. When Jesus gathered around his disciples, do you remember what he said? He didn't say, if you pray, what did he say? When you pray. Now, you should do it because, one, it was expected, but at the same time, uh, there's physical benefits, cleansing your body, all this stuff. But here's just a list of reasons that people uh, uh, fasted in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, for repentance. They messed up, they did something big, they did something small, and they knew it was wrong, and they want to turn back to God. They fasted. They needed spiritual strength against the attack from the enemy. We have Jesus going up on the mountain fasting because he knows what's about to come at him. Uh, We even have examples to break demonic bondage. Remember the apostles uh, came back to Jesus and were like, Jesus, we tried to cast out a demon. And do you know what Jesus says? He says, oh, I know this kind. This kind does not come out except through prayer and fasting. To express our ache for God's return. To demonstrate our love and desire for God above all things. You know, fasting has an ability to show us how enslaved we are to instant gratification. And if there was ever a culture in the world that was riding the horse of instant gratification, it would be Canada. I mean, it'd be those other guys. No. <laughs> if you guys knew well, it's us. It's us. We want things faster, faster, faster more than ever. We want that instant gratification that we thirst for. You know, um, I'll give you an example. So you guys know I had some stomach issues uh, a couple months ago, and uh, lots of tests, lots of doctor stuff. And um, I'm not a a big breakfast guy, right? I'm happy. Give me some Lucky Charms. Yes, I'm seven. uh, And I'm I'm a happy camper. (laughs) And my dentist loves me. Um, I'm happy with a small bowl of cereal, maybe a little yogurt, something like that, maybe a a, canola bar. I'm good to go. You can tell, right? Um... How is it that when the doctors tell you, by the way, don't eat anything after midnight, you, you've gotten that right, you wake up in the morning and you want to clean out Cracker Barrel? I mean, you. why is it that one morning above all the 364 other days of the year is the day you want to just, you're just starving for everything is because your body's been told you can't. How many of us, at our very fundamental level, when somebody tells you you can't do something, you can't slam dunk a ball, I don't care if you're four foot eight, you're going to try. Tell me what to do. We do not like being told, no, you can't. You have to wait. You can't have it now. It irks us, it gets under our skin, and it drives us crazy because it's part of our cultural DNA of who we are. So the idea of fasting is not popular. It came on like a not popular Sunday, sorry. Why would I ever want to say no to myself? Richard Foster, I'm going back to him for the last time, he says this. He says, you know, once the primary purpose of fasting is firmly fixed in our hearts, we're at liberty to understand that there are also secondary purposes in fasting, kind of like that list that I read you. More than any other discipline like prayer and worship, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to a true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, getting kids to brush their teeth is a nightmare uh, because they never do it as well. Uh, One of the things that I would do is if the kids had Oreos, I'd just say scrub till the black's gone because that just never leaves your teeth apparently. Eat an Oreo, five weeks later, there it is. Um, They have a toothpaste that does use for you instead of an Oreo, which... Good job, doctors. Um, It's a toothpaste that you scrub your teeth, and it has a chemical reaction, and it shows where plaque buildup is so that children can know where they have to scrub more, spend more time, and, and, and all that stuff. It's fascinating. And the idea is putting this into your mouth exposes your weaknesses. It exposes what's lacking in your life. Fasting is similar to that. When you fast, when you deny yourself, what will happen is you will start to expose all the things that you don't want to look at and don't want to deal with. Sounds fun, right? I'm in, are you? Um, I tell you this because for many of us, we struggle with our relationship with God. We feel like we want to connect with Him, but sometimes we feel like He's far away and He's distant. And there could be a number of reasons for that. But one of them is, am I putting myself in a position... To know God and be known by God. If, when do you go to the doctor? When you're healthy? Now you typically go when you're sick. When there's something hurt. When you're like, uh, there's a giant bump here and it wasn't here last week. I've got this thing on my face, I think it's a horn. Uh, I'm going to go to the doctor now. right? Because of new information has come to light and I need to get it dealt with. Or maybe I dig it, I don't know. Likewise, through fasting, things will show up in your life that you will say, I've never seen that. I was not aware of that. I didn't even know I was dealing with that. And once you know it's there, you can deal with it because God's a great physician and he would love more than to help you and heal you. So maybe there are sins, maybe there are attitudes, maybe there are things in your life that a full belly is hiding, but an empty belly shows. So how do we do this? How do we fast? Um, Here we go. Practical. Choose 12 hours or choose 24 hours. Pick one. Flip a coin. Whatever you do, don't suggest it for your spouse. That's trouble. Practically consult your doctor. Say, doctor, hey, I'm thinking about fasting. It's a great open door to talk about Jesus. But maybe he'll say, listen, you really shouldn't fast. You need to eat every meal more meals, or whatever. So one, consult your doctor. Two, if you're fasting, drink plenty of fluids. Three, don't binge on the way back. Don't be like, wow, I've gone eight hours or 24 hours without food. Time to hit up Asiana Buffet. I'm looking at you, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) From personal experience, you will regret that decision. It sounds good and it tastes great, but man, you're going to stuff yourself and it's going to be bad for you. So ease your way Back into food after your fast. All right. Those are just the practical parts of it. But you know what you're going to experience during your fast? You're going to experience aches. Ask my children. They're starving all the time. So starving. You didn't eat your dinner. Oh, I liked it. Okay. They have these aches. We have aches when we don't eat. Don't lose your mind when you have a tummy ache. Our bodies have been conditioned to eat three times a day, and yes, even snack in between. The human body can go days, even weeks, without food. I'm not recommending that right now, guys. Let's take baby steps. You're going to be fine if your tummy grumbles. Your body's accustomed to getting that food at that certain time. Here's what to do when your body aches, okay? This is where you write a note down. Use these aches as an alert to prayer, Confess your dependence on all these things around us and how you want your dependence to be on God. Say God, I'm so, I am weak right now and because I'm, I'm so hungry. I'm so dependent on just daily food. Remember Jesus' prayer? Give us, Lord our daily bread. We're so dependent. Praise God. For his provision. When your stomach hurts and it aches, say, Lord, for the majority of my life, I've had a very full belly. (laughs) There are people in this world who can't say the same. Use this as an opportunity to connect with him. I've had people uh, who who get strategic with their fasting, and they say, I'm going to fast... Uh, until God answers his prayer. I'm going to fast because I want direction. And every time they feel hungry, at certain times throughout the day, they will say, okay, I will pray, I will pray, I will pray for this, for this, for this, or for that, or for that, or for that. Use it as time to pray. Some people journal. Some people rest. Fasting can strengthen and focus our prayers. It can strengthen and focus our worship and our attitudes. You'll find, even as a byproduct of fasting, anger that you didn't know you had self-entitlement that you thought maybe you yelled at your kids for but it's still present in your own heart you will find yourself standing in front of a pantry having a theological debate with yourself over whether or not you can eat a granola bar or how much protein powder you can put in a lemonade (laughs) and in those moments say God I see how far I'm willing to go how far I'm willing to justify to get what I want Help me to want you. Help me stand before God's pantry and say, God, how can I get creative, and how can I do everything in my imagination to get more of you in my life? Because when you're fasting, you're going to see how much of Him you really don't want all the time, and how Oreos sound really delicious, and why did he talk about them in church? Jesus even talks about, well, let's let's talk about this. If you feel a little intimidated by not eating a few meals. Let's even take a smaller step forward. Is there something besides food that I'm also dependent on? I've given you food as an example. That's the historical biblical model. But what about alcohol? What about mobile phones? Social media? you got to get that endorphin kick. Is there something else that I can say no to in my life for 12 hours, for 24 hours, for a week. Can I say no? Can I just unplug the TV and the computer in my house for a week? Oh, but I might miss out on my favorite shows and what's going to happen this week? Oh! I will deny myself these silly things for you, God. Jesus says, Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't look somber. These guys disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Jesus is teaching his disciples, listen, when you engage with this, because I expect you to engage with this, don't don't go around like these other guys, like, oh man, I'm so hungry because I'm fasting. Heard a great sermon on fasting. I'm fasting right now. I've been fasting for like 30 days. It's fantastic. Oh, man, I'm pretty hungry. I've never known this much pain in my life, but, man, I'm connecting with God. You guys should try it, but you probably couldn't do it like me. <laughs> Jesus is saying, don't be like that jerk. When you do it, put some oil on your hair. That, I mean, you know, slay back. He's saying, comb your hair. Go about your business. Because this isn't about putting on a show in front of other people. This is about your relationship between you and God. We're not saved by how often we fast, nor are we condemned for how, how frequently we don't fast. We use fasting as a tool to connect to our Lord. So, fasting is going without, and I know it's hard and it's very unpopular. Its goal is to draw us closer to God, and even Christ expected his followers to fast. I mean, do you remember the last passage we read where Jesus says, listen, how can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? He's saying, listen, my disciples are with me, but I'm going to go away from them. I'm going to be taken from them. I'm going to ascend to the Father. And when I do that, then they will fast, is what he says. So let me tell you how to find the motivation to fast. Because right now, some of you might be a little bit interested. Some of you are probably like, I'm never doing this again. How to find the motivation to fast. The strength to endure fasting comes from focusing on the one who denied everything for you. Think about that for a moment. When you're hungry, you start to feel entitled. What I deserve, I deserve to eat. Fasting stupid. What does Brian Chadwick know? He's a dummy. You feel entitled. Think about Jesus Christ and what he was entitled to. Remember the one who never needed to eat put himself in a position to be hungry. The one who never needed to sleep put himself in a position to be exhausted. The one who never needed to bleed bled for you and me. Why did he do this? Why did the infinite creator ask his son to go into the world and do things that were limiting him, constricting him, denying him of what he could... I mean, don't you understand that God could have brought Jesus into the world as a full-grown man with miraculous abilities to never be hungry, to never be tired, to have skin of iron where spears and nails could never penetrate? He could have. Why didn't he? Well, he got like 30,000 hours. I'll give you one reason. He did it because he wanted to have a relationship with you. I will be hungry for you is what Jesus says. I will be thirsty for you. I will be tired for you. I will bleed and I will die for you because I want to be with you so badly This is how far I will go. Paul, when he writes to the Christians at Philippi, he jumps on this idea. And he says that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Do you remember what it says next? It says he emptied himself. He emptied himself. Would you be consider emptying yourself, your wants, your the, the things that you deserve in this life, the things that we justify and say we need? Would you empty yourself for him? Consider how far Jesus would go to love you. And say, Lord, this week. For two meals I will not eat and I will dedicate that time to you. I will serve you in a new capacity. I will volunteer some way. I will help my neighbor. I will minister to my family. I will serve my church. I will spend time reading or praying or even in silence or maybe I'll just take a nap because I need rest. But I will take that time for you. I will go without because you went without. I will connect with you Because you connect it with me. This morning we want to offer you a time, just a space right now to connect with him. We're going to have a time of communion where we pass around these trays. And in these trays is a small piece of bread and a small cup of grape juice. The bread represents his body and the grape juice represents his blood. He asked his disciples, hey, come together and remember what I've done for you by taking bread and wine. We use grape juice and wine little chicklets of bread because that's what churches do now. I don't know. But we're going to pass them around. And as you hold on to the bread, as you hold on to the cup, I want you to think about how far Jesus came to love you and have a relationship with you. Think of all the things that he gave up because he valued you so much. And ask him, Lord, this week, would you like me to say no to something so that I can be with you? Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we've got big problems. And I don't want to undermine those at all. But Father, our relationship with you can be such a source of strength through the problems in our lives. I mean, so often we turn to you in panic and in confusion and in, in, when, when everything's gone to wreck already. And yet, Father, what would it be like if we were prepared for the storms and the boulders and the things that would come at us this year? What if we had such a relationship with you, with depth and, and, and communion and, and experience with you, That, yeah, the storms may howl and the winds may beat us down. That we will stand up and we can navigate and we can live through these things, Father. And give you glory through them. What a goal. I pray that's our goal. Help us now, Lord, to see how far you've come for us through Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.